Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Odorico and we've got a great show for you tonight. As always we're going to be starting off with uh, Coach's Corner and I'm going to bring out the panel here in just a moment or two and a little bit later on uh, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest tonight uh, Chris Rodell. Uh, He's an author and writer of uh, a new book called Arnold Palmer Homespun Stories of the King uh, from literally from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, uh, Arnold's hometown. Uh, He's going to be talking with us a little bit later on in the show about some of the great interviews that he did uh, with many of the residents of Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which of course is where uh, Arnold Palmer was uh, from and and still held uh, a residence there uh, in his hometown. So we're going to talk about that book. Uh, But I've got a great show for you tonight. Let me just uh, remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on the uh, network. Uh, Best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just simply type golf talk live up in the search key and uh, you'll find us there front and center every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, For some reason, if you can't join us live, not to worry. Just scroll down the page, and you'll see the on-demand section. And uh, all of the previously aired shows, including tonight, are there in their entirety. Uh, You'll find the recorded versions there. Uh, You can also uh, listen on some of the other great social media platforms like iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and, of course, this year, uh, TuneIn.com. It's been added as well. Uh, Again, just type in uh, Golf Talk Live on any of those social media platforms, and, uh, again, we'll be front and center right there, and you can listen uh, on on those uh, platforms. Um, Also, if you want to uh, get updates on the show, you can go to uh, the Facebook page. You can go to my personal page, which is Ted Odorico, and it's O-D-O. R-I-C-O is the correct spelling of my last name. Uh, you'll see updates there. Or you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash golf talk live blog. Make sure you have blog on the end there. Uh, I update uh, on that page as well as many others uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, you can also go to my personal page on linkedin.com and find updates there. And you can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ted and Buck, CEO. CEO is in capital letters. And again, thank you as always uh, for some of the recent followers. Uh, on Twitter. So lots of great ways to stay connected with the show. Uh, I hope you'll tune in tonight. We've got a great discussion for you here on the Coach's Corner panel. A little bit different than what we normally do, uh, but I think it's a, a well-needed uh, discussion, and I think you're going to uh, get some uh, very useful information, especially from tonight's panel. So let me just introduce them, and then uh, we'll get right into our discussion. Uh, again, I'm very excited uh, with uh, tonight's Coach's Corner panel. Uh, first and foremost, John Hughes, a PGA Master Professional and President of the North Florida PGA Section and the 2013 Peach of America Horton Smith uh, Recipient uh, Award, and also a top 30 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. John, unfortunately, had uh, some difficulty last time and and, uh, wasn't able to continue the show, but we're glad uh, everything's worked out and he's back with us this week. Um, Also uh, equally excited to have on the panel is Peter Agazarian. He's a PGA and TPI uh, teaching professional with Draconic Golf Club, and he's also the head 
uh, men's golf coach with the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, and also founder of Northeast Golf Performance and a member of the Proponent Group. Uh, also, super excited to have uh, this uh, young lady on the panel as well, Alicia Larson. Uh, she's a Class A LPGA teacher professional and founder and president of Gratitude Golf, and she's also an author of The Missing Link, uh, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf, and coaches literally every golfer from the beginner, intermediate, right up to the advanced players. Um, guys, welcome to Coach's Corner Panel. Hi, Thank Tim. you. Thanks for Glad having. to be here. Great to be here. All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And, and as I, I very quickly alluded to um, just before we went live, and I apologize, uh, I didn't get uh, a little bit more chance to explain everything, but what we're going to talk about here is uh, – you know, I always like to, I think, foster discussions that I feel are important. I love this game, as I know all of you do, and especially a lot of our listeners out there and, and our fellow teacher professionals. Um, but every once in a while, we have to sort of take a hard look at our industry and see if there's things that we can be doing better um, to uh, improve, not just the level of instruction that we provide, but just the overall experience that our students and our, our fellow golf enthusiasts uh, are going to experience uh, in their journey uh, learning this game. So one of the reasons I wanted to have this discussion tonight, we're talking about uh, here is the decline in golf. Uh, it's been no secret. It's not something that the, the curtain has been drawn back and nobody's aware of. There has been a noticeable decline in golf, and there's a number of factors. We're going to talk about some of them tonight here, um, but we're also going to talk about uh, some things that we're doing as professionals on our side uh, to try and uh, ramp things back up, but also uh, to, again, provide some top quality instruction and uh, an overall uh, enjoyable experience with our, with our students and uh, members and so forth. Um, but I want to talk about this. So I'm going to read something from, this was a Washington Post article that was actually uh, dated back March 5th in 2015. I'm going to read a little bit about it. And then if you don't mind, John, I'm going to start with you uh, and then we'll go to Peter and then uh, Alicia, and then I'll, I'll flip the order around as we, we go here. Um, I, and the gentleman that wrote this article was Drew Harwell. Uh, and the title of the article was actually uh, Why America Fell Out of Love with Golf. Uh, it's a very interesting article, and there's some uh, interesting points in here. So let me just read a little bit here, and then we're going to get right into some, some discussion about it. Uh, a decade ago, when the golf course uh, was de facto playground for the professional set, and a young Californian named Tiger Woods was the world's best player, golf looked like an unsaleable uh, national undertaking, and corporate players were chomping uh, at the bit to get in. Uh, but the business behind one of America's most slow-going, uh, expensive, and old-fashioned pastimes has rapidly begun to fall apart. Tailor-made uh, Adidas Golf, the world's biggest maker of golf clubs and clothes, saw sales nosedive. And this is, of course, keeping in mind this is back in 2015 uh, when this article was written. Uh, nosedive 28% the previous year. Uh, its parent company, Adidas, said uh, Thursday a decline in the number of active players caused an immense problems in the entire industry and as a market leader, of course, we're talking about uh, Adidas and, and, and uh, TaylorMade. Uh, this hit them particularly hard. Adidas Chief Executive Officer Herbert uh, Hainer said on a call uh, with analysts, the sporting goods giant has taken some painful measures uh, to restructure and stabilize its golf decision. Hainer said, including listing its slow-selling golf gear at deep discounts and postponing new launches, the coming years, Hainer had previously warned, present even more significant negative headwinds for the game. So my, my question, John, let's, we're going to start here with the equipment side a little bit, and then we're going to talk about instruction as well. 
in your opinion, and again, this is just a discussion. We're not here to, to you know, solve all the world's problems. From the equipment side of things, has the industry maybe made some mistakes in rolling out equipment every year at a higher cost for so long that people just became dis- somewhat disgruntled a little bit and maybe felt that because they weren't seeing the results that they were being promised, they felt a little misled, and that's also been part of the cause why sales have slumped. What, what's your opinion there? Uh, undoubtedly, there were mistakes made throughout, I'm going to call it the recessionary years, uh, thinking that golf, for a long time, there was this thought that golf was recession-proof because of the people who played and the amount of money it took to play and so forth. And I think the equipment manufacturers, the soft goods, I think we all made mistakes during that time. And we came to the realization that golf is, is not recession proof. It it, it was definitely affected. Uh, At that time, that article was written just to throw some other historical facts. That was the same time, that Dick Sporting Goods slash Golf Galaxy laid off over 700 PGA professionals. Right. Uh, because of that, that was one of the outcomes from not being able to make those sales because they were so heavily weighted in the big box er- era uh, industry. Uh, the the green grass accounts, they were put into positions where if they didn't buy lots of inventory, then they they were at a very big disadvantage from a profit margin standpoint of view. So the the entire industry got topsy turvy. And what I'm hearing, I'm just now getting back into, I'm going to say, studying the equipment side, having recently re- mm-hmm. reaffiliated with a with a brand, and learning from that brand the mistakes they've made, and and they've actually come out and said, you know, we made a lot of mistakes, and we're 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 changing course. The the biggest mistake I think the equipment manufacturers made was not necessarily selling something that was going to be that much better so much as they are all publicly traded and they were all more concerned about taking care of their stockholders, especially during a downtime. If they could show that during a downtime they were right. doing well, there were dividends to be paid. So, a product life sure. cycle went from arguably two to three years down to three to six months. So in 18 months, you would be walking through Walmart or Target or Costco or whatever, and there was this $500 driver on sale for 69 bucks. And even even the, the, the rich and famous are going to go to these stores at some point and walk through and see this, and it was more – uh, was hurtful. Uh, they they felt like they had been used, they had been had. Uh, it wasn't necessarily right. on the playing side so much as on the purchase side. Uh, that that they felt like, hey, you know, we we became uneducated and we allowed ourselves to become edu- uneducated because of all this. So I think what we're seeing over the past year and a half, two years in particular, from the bigger manufacturers is less inventory, uh, let the product cycles run their course. Let's not overproduce and force anybody into the corner of buying this tremendous amount of inventory and then having to hold it later on. Uh, I think they've learned from their mistakes, and, and some of them are coming out and saying it was a mistake. 
and that's a good thing. The ones that are still hiding behind their coattails saying they didn't make any <clears throat> mistakes, they're still making those mistakes now. Yeah, yeah, well well said. And, and, and again, you know, I, I think it's important for all areas in, in golf, uh, not just the manufacturers, but obviously um, us as, as golf uh, teach professionals and coaches, that we really take a hard look at one, what we're doing in the industry, you know, are we utilizing the resources to the best of our abilities, not just on, on how we formulate, uh, uh, you know, at the lesson T, uh, but also are we utilizing the, the available resources through uh, golf courses? And I'm going to talk about the courses here in just a minute. Um, but I want to read something else very quickly. And then, Peter, I want to get your thoughts uh, here. This is, uh, again, just to sort of continue on with what John said, but we're going to, you know, shift it just slightly here. Uh, as I continue with the article, it, it's been years since the increasingly, increasingly unpopular sport of golf plunked into the rough, and the industry now re- realizing that it may not be able to get over it. Uh, all uh, the qualities that once made it elite and elusive, uh, or excuse me, exclusive, are, uh, analysts say, now playing against it. Uh, the game with its drivers, clubs, shoes, and tee times is expensive both to prepare for and to play. It's difficult uh, dissuading, dissuading amateurs from giving it a swing, uh, and time-consuming, limiting how much fans can play. Uh, even what uh, loyalists would say are strengths, its simplicity, its traditionalism, can seem overly austere in an age of fitness classes, extreme races, and iPhone games. So uh, I, I want to uh, ask you, Peter, from this uh, standpoint, because now we're, we're talking about uh, a couple of things. It's not just the equipment um, and, and the fact that, as John just pointed out there, for a long time, uh, you know, it was costing X number of dollars, and now some of these big uh, box stores have come in and have been able to, uh, you know, sell it at a much lower rate. So there's that factor, uh, but also there, you know, there's other things that are competing uh, with, uh, you know, many of our, our consumers' time. Talk a little bit about if that what you've experienced, what you've seen and maybe some things that you're personally doing uh, to try to overcome some of the challenges and hurdles that maybe you've, you've come across. Yeah. I might lose him going for a little bit of a spot here, but uh, they're looking at social change right now. There's a large amount of social change going on right now with people's habits um, on everything. Um, I think the, when it comes to equipment and the cost of equipment, the, the consumer has never been more educated, has never had more right. options. Um, so if they do have the, not even, you don't have to have this large amount of disposable income to begin to play golf anymore. <clears throat> right. From an equipment standpoint, but really when it comes down to is where, where the person's attention is. I mean, and I think for our, for just such a long time, <clears throat> the, the golf industry, you know, thought it was, it was fine. It was nothing was ever going to change, and everything always changes. And we stopped trying to draw the attention of of people in a long term sense. I think we got very short sighted in our in our vision for what golf was is going to be um, and <clears throat> fail to see a long-term investment in, you know, growing players and making it more, having there be a more organic interest 
um, and allowing people to engage in uh, something that was more in line with their own expectations. I think we said, this is golf, uh, take it or leave it. And right. I think for the past 10 years, we've paid the price for that. And I'm in, I'm yep. in a very unique situation at my facility being on the campus of a college. Um, but the leadership of my club is, is taking an extremely and has taken an extremely long-term look at golf. And, you know, 12 years ago, introducing the, a junior stewardship program that's going to, you know, drop if you do, if you can fulfill um, certain requirements or if you play on your high school golf team, your junior membership is um, a quarter of the cost if you were not able to fulfill some service uh, requirements or volunteerism or, you know, simply playing on your, on your high school golf team. Um, and now most right. recently they're, they're making a strong movement to have the college students be more involved by, you know, really slashing the cost of a, of, of a college membership. And I'll tell you what, it's had over the last two weeks, you know, over the years I've been here, this is the most amount of college students I've ever seen at the club. It's accessible to them. They want to engage it. They just need a means to do it and have it be available. I, you talk about technology, you know, kids being in their phone. Yeah, they're in their phone, but they also really, in, you know, enjoy the open space, and they're going to want to yep. engage their friends and share it. That generation is a sharing generation. They want to show that I'm at my college golf course and I'm doing this, and it's amazing. Um, As well as for a very, very long time, the colleges had a golf elective, and I'm sure most colleges and universities do have this. But it's a little bit of a model for people that are not in the circumstance that I I am in at at a university course that you can take something from it and look at things more of a long-term than this short-term gain. I'm going to grab X amount of dollars from this young person, and I'm never going to see them again after this year because it's unsustainable for that particular person. So I think we missed the boat um, for an X number of years saying take it or leave it. And I think now, uh, like – like John said, the equipment companies are admitting some mistakes, and I think we're seeing a little bit of the error of our ways and coming around to the idea of more of the long term. Right. Well said. Some, some great points there, Peter. You're, you're right on the money with that. Uh, I, I couldn't concur more with you. I think that, you know, I think the colleges and universities – um, and, and other uh, areas in the schooling system uh, need to take uh, a much different approach in some ways than perhaps they have uh, over the last decade or so in order to, to be able to help foster some of the growth. Um, Alicia, I want to bring you obviously now into the conversation as well uh, to get your thoughts in here. And, and again, I'm going to just read something very uh, briefly here and then uh, I'll let you uh, respond. Um, to continue on again with the article, even Jack Nicholas, perhaps uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest golfer in history, makes a strong argument for why new players aren't flocking to golf. 
Uh, I'd like to play a game that can take uh, place in three hours, Nicholas told CNN in January. And again, this is going back in, in 2015. I'd like to play a game that I can get some reasonable gratification out of very quickly and, some that, uh, and something that is not going to cost me an arm and a leg. Um, and just to get on it a little bit further, now I want to ask you a question. The number of Americans who said they played golf at least once last year has fallen to one of its lowest points in years. Uh, sports and fitness industry uh, association data show even worse uh, for the sport's future. The number of young people aged 18 to 30 playing the game has sagged nearly 35% over the last decade. So taking that into consideration, you're, you're talking about one of the greatest players uh, acknowledging that golf is taking too long uh, to play. And I know that they've tried to do some things uh, to shorten it. Um, but what are your thoughts there about the time on the golf course? Uh, again, in a, in a society where uh, time has become, uh, people's time has become more important uh, and, and there's less of it to, to do certain things like, like a leisure sport or even a sport like golf that they want to get involved in. And then also uh, it talks about a specific demographic, age 18 to 30, playing this game, that it's dropped 35%. That's over one-third that the interest has dropped or the engagement hasn't dropped. What are your thoughts here, and what do you see as a possible solution? Uh, because obviously to grow this game, we have to get into some of these younger uh, minds, if you will, and convince them that golf is, is something for them. Uh, not just for their grandfather or their or their parents. What are your thoughts in that area? Yeah, I, I I guess there's I have a couple because I've seen increasingly over the last four or five years, maybe even just a little bit more. I've seen people or heard people tell me on the lesson tee that uh, they they only want to play like well I just want to play nine holes and so it's it's that is a, a a very common statement to me it's like I, I don't have time for 18 holes and so uh with that being said it's it's one of those things where you're trying to keep them on the golf course and the and the, the leagues are more nine holes now and and so there's not at, at the club I was at there was a 18 hole league for ladies and there was way more of the nine hole league than in the 18 hole league and so I've seen that over and over and I think that time is a big issue and they just don't want to spend that much time on the golf course. They don't have the time. They, they, they're on to something else. And so it's, for me, it's one of those things where I, you know, I wish there were more. Um, I, love, I love the idea of having, you know, like 27 holes where you have the 18 and people want to play 18, but then have nine holes that somebody, they just want to play nine. Uh, like one of the courses has a little par three course. So they have the 18 and then, nine uh, of a par three and those are very advantageous i think to the golfing communities that trying to grow the game and uh you see more parents and younger kids going out to play just nine holes at little par executive courses par threes and fours only and and so i think that's a that's something that maybe needs to be have more of that type of scenario and situation for people to have as an option um regarding the 18 to 30 year olds um my son is in that age, and he just said to me the other night, he's, he's actually 34, but he said, you know, I, I need to figure out how to make more money. And he's a, you know, he's a hardworking blue-collar guy that he says, I need to figure out how, how to make more money because I want to join a club in the area so that I can take my daughters, his, my granddaughters there, and, and he wants to take his daughter there and start playing golf. But, you know, it's, it, it, it does cost, I think, clubs. some clubs have dropped the initiation fees. Um, there There's different ways they've tried to, 
stimulate that age group. And, you know, my, my specific uh, vision and focus recently in the last five years is I've started to, I, I, I developed an academy, a golf academy, and the academy was to generate interest and really a, a passion for golf with young golfers anywhere from, I have kids in my academy that are 11 to, to 18, 17 and 18. And so I want to develop the passion for the game in that age group so that they'll carry it on. And my the greatest compliment you can get is, you know, gosh, when I have kids, I'm going to bring my kids back and then you can teach them so that you know you've been, you know, you've instilled some passion in the game when they think they're already going to teach their kids when they get married and have children. So I'm trying to grow it that way and, and invest in, you know, different, like in golf, but also in life. And that's a little bit of, of a spinoff in my book too, that I wanted to try to send that message that we can teach a lot of life values to these people. And if you invest in these kids and then they, they fall in love with the game, um, they'll, they'll continue to play it. Uh, I have kids in the academy that have no desire to get to play college golf, but they really want to play high school golf competitively, and, and they're so excited about the fact that they can play that game with their fathers, their grandfathers, their family, their friends for, the, for as long as they're alive. And I think we have to focus on that aspect. That you can, this is probably the only sport you can continue to play and, you know, so you're, you know, well into your 80s or sometimes even I've seen people who are 90 that are, are, have been playing. So there's things about it that could be focused on, I think, that would, would generate some interest. Yeah, uh, some excellent points as well, Alicia. Thank you for that. Uh, you're you're exactly right. And, and I think, you know, again, let me just to sort of back up a little bit here. Um, really to the purpose of this discussion is really to have this discussion. I think – you know, we can't be so naive in the golf industry, and I know none of you are. I mean, you you've, you pointed that out here tonight. Uh, but I think there are some that, that would argue the fact, say, well, you know, golf's not really in decline. It's just a, a, an economic slump, and, and it's going to just jump right back in. But the truth of the matter is, and just to go to the point about, uh, as I mentioned a, a few moments ago, about golf courses, and again, taking into consideration uh, the timing of this article, uh that the drop-off has hit America's, and I'm reading from the article, has America's greens and links hard. More golf courses closed than open in 2013 for the eighth straight year, according to the National Golf Foundation. Uh, and the number of course closures has sped up, averaging 137 closings every year since 2011. Uh, again, data from a golf industry researcher. So, you know, there's definitely has been a decline in, in playing, but also the, it's hit the golf courses as well. There's obviously been some community issues uh, as housing uh, bubble happened uh, a number of years ago. That affected, of course, uh, a lot of uh, courses, you know, such as uh, John, and you can attest to this uh, here in, in Florida, uh, a lot of golf courses that uh, because of the, the housing market uh, crash uh, were affected uh just because of that alone. So it wasn't necessarily about the golf industry. It was just that the housing market uh, took such a hit that uh, people were, were basically trying to get out from underneath a, a mountain of debt and, and uh, was leaving uh, golf courses sort of, uh, you know, running for the hills to figure out how they were going to generate revenue uh, to keep them open. So there was a lot of factors involved. Uh, I want to shift gears and, and uh, Alicia, take a, a deep breath because I'm coming back to you and we're going back up through the uh, the food chain, if you will, from you and, and Peter and then John. Um, what I want to ask you as well is we see a, uh, 
the influx of a lot of different programs uh, to get people into the game. Uh, a lot of great junior programs, a lot of great uh, programs in general to get people interested in the game. Uh, again, timing being a factor. What about organizations like Top Golf? What about organizations uh, that parallel that type of, of theme? The generation that we're dealing with now is not the generation that we're all sort of from where our parents maybe played golf, maybe we were introduced to golf. Many of the millennials particularly that are coming in and some of the younger uh, generations that are coming up, their parents didn't necessarily play golf. So the kids were not exposed at an early age. Are some of these organizations, and I'm just using Top Golf as an example, are they helping, do you think, introduce people to the game and then hopefully some will transition into uh, actually getting out there and playing on a golf course or taking lessons? Uh, or are they hurting or changing the way uh, golf is looked at too much? What are your thoughts there, Alicia? I, I, don't, I honestly don't think it could hurt. I, I really feel like if, if, if anybody's like engaging somebody in golf, whether, whether they're, they're you know the young professionals that just want to take a couple hours and they want to have fun and, and go to top golf and, and I just you know they could they could have enough fun where they decide they want to go to a local tournament like here in Columbus and go go to the memorial tournament and be a spectator and and I, I just think I don't think it could hurt at all I anytime that there's something going on with golf I think it's it's generating some something whether it's you know a percentage of those will get interested and 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 just take off and and become a member at a club I don't we don't know that but some could and so i i don't again i don't know if it, it could hurt at all if, if there was something like that um i i mean i had somebody walk into my golf center um last week and or last month excuse me and they they were from the ymca and they were asking right. if i would donate something so i donated something like a couple hours in the simulator you know assuming there would be a you know in the fundraiser and and so you know that was they were very grateful for that and then um, as we were talking, they said, you know, we have a YMCA camp every summer. And, and, and I, I said, so do you have golf in that? And they said, no. And I said, well, would you be interested in me? You know, what's what, I mean, there's like 1500 kids that go through this camp and my head's just right. spinning. So I'm saying, well, you know, would you be interested in me? You know, I could have my, my, my academy kids help me out. My, college kids that come back for the summer i've got an intern you know a, a girl that's in a junior in college now and she's going to be a senior next year and she's coming back to work for me and she could help with that and i said and they're all all on board they said wow we never even thought about golf in that whole thing they're having all sorts of other activities and other sports that are, are being introduced to these 12 to 1500 kids during summer camps for ymca so you know that that's what i'm trying to do and generate interest in going to mm. elementary schools and recruiting for my high school teams and saying like you know you know i send out a flyer to the parents and say you know do your kids play golf or never played golf don't have clubs it's okay we can help you so it's one of those things where you you know i don't think anytime you're introducing golf to anybody i think it's always going to help I, I think there's something yeah. that's going to become good from that yeah well said alicia and and you're exactly right. I think anything that we do uh, that's obviously in a positive light, uh, I think is going to be good to, to help get people interested, to, to learn, to understand a little bit about golf. Um, Peter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm -hmm. go to you here and, and just sort of piggybacking a little bit 
off of what Alicia was just talking about. You know, you mentioned earlier uh, about at the university, uh, you know, where you're located there, uh, you know, having a lot of these, these university kids involved and, and uh, having the opportunity to, to get involved. Um, I wonder, though, do or does the industry as a whole, um, there are so many sports in the school system, and I'm talking about the public school uh, at all levels uh, that they're exposed to. Golf is not one of them in most cases. Does the industry need to take a hard look at that uh, possibility of, and, and also YMCA uh, programs, as Alicia just talked about, do we need to start looking at a more grassroots approach to this instead of just looking at getting in junior programs and, and getting uh, you know, new members at courses? Do we need to take a more grassroots approach to this and start getting into the general school system, um, just introducing people to golf, just getting them not necessarily coming out for lessons or getting into some great long uh, program, but just getting that introduction, getting our foot in the door so that we're part of that day-in, day-out thought process that they're seeing at school, uh, much like football and baseball and many other sports are. What are your thoughts on that, Peter? Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, you know, I, Alicia, I applaud you for offering um, for that, offering to be available for that YMCA program. That's fabulous. Um, you know, I, at a former club, I was very close to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, one of the, the physical education department head for the district what happened to be a member uh, and she happened to be a golfer and she came to me and wanted to get the golf into the physical education cur- curriculum but didn't know where to start. Um, so just being a resource, introducing them to you know, the fact that there are grants at a state level or federal level to purchase the equipment that they need, something like snag golf or or birdie ball or a multitude of other equipment that can make that can scale golf for the younger person to give them that immediate level of success that like you said the younger generation is desiring um we have a we have a junior clinic that we run um, for ages four to eight, ten in that area, but it's primarily there to introduce the children to golf, and we rarely use golf balls. Um, I use birdie ball quite a bit. Um, it's a for those listening that aren't familiar with that. It's it's a um, a hollow cylinder that the child is hitting a a club that it's scaled for them. It's it's shorter, it's lighter, the club face is 300% larger than a normal club face, and they're hitting off a piece of right. hard plastic, so they can make contact with that piece of plastic um, pretty much as far back as a foot behind the ball, and the, and the club is going to skip into the cylinder, and they're going to see that cylinder fly just as though it was a golf ball, and they're <clears throat> they're going to give the child a lot more room for error and see that immediate gratification um, that, Ted, that you're kind of touching on. Um, <clears throat> I, I, the more we can engage that younger age, the, that, that sampling age, and get it into the physical education curriculum, but the teachers and the administrators need to feel as though golf is accessible. And that's the one thing that she brought up is that she never even thought about golf because it was so 
it seems so inaccessible to the kids. So why why bring it into the curriculum when now the best thing we can do is, is give them access, give them a place, and and you know kind of just allow them to sample it because that's why they start playing more basketball or they're more familiar with football or tennis or whatever it might be because when they were younger, they tried it in gym or phys ed, however you want to call it. So, I mean, and then Ted, just to kind of go back to the question you asked before, while you guys were talking, I'm, I'm going on Instagram and the kids attention is in their phone, but they're on social all the time. And, you know, Michelle, we has 450,000 followers. You know, Jordan has a hundred, you know, 1.4 million. Ricky has 1.5 million. They're, they're seeing young people that are exactly like themselves doing this and not only doing it, but they're cool. I mean, they're doing this and they look cool. They're being cool. They're having fun. They're because your your young golf stars right now on social just aren't showing golf things. They're showing them going out. They're dressing up for 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 galas. Like Michelle's amazing right. with her style. She shows that. Um, there's a lot of other young ladies that are doing that. Young men that are doing that. So it. I see the fact that their attention is in their phone because right now on social they have um, a lot of very good role models or people that are playing golf that are showing how amazing the the other side of it, the off the course side of things can be and how actually social it really is. So, you know, you can say that the, the kids are closed off and they're not engaging golf. Well, I would argue that they are more engaged than ever, but their attention is, is in a very different place than any generation before. So the older generation is going to definitely see it as a negative because it's not where their own attention is. So as Mm -hmm. I think we're doing a fabulous job on, you know, on the highest level of the player, giving the younger generation a look at what it really is like to play golf and not, you know, your your father, your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather's version of golf. So, sorry, wrong right. answer. I'll, I'll, I'll step no. aside. <laughs> no, that's a, a great uh, a great perspective, Pete, and and uh, you're you're exactly right. You know, one thing I have to give, uh, you know, props to the golf industry, unlike so many other industries, is, you know, our 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 young stars and even some of our older ambassadors of the game have given such a level of professionalism uh, in, in both on and off the golf course that they've been able to project a a very positive image for the game. Uh, You know, Arnold Palmer, who I'm going to be talking about a little bit later on uh, was a great, uh, you know, a great ambassador to the game and literally legions of men and women followed, uh, you know, in, in Arnie's army to be able to see, uh, you know, just what he was going to do next. But just also, um, you know, he was just a great spokesperson for the game. You know, along came Jack Nicholas and Gary Player and many of the others that followed. Now we're seeing the Jordan Spieth and so on and so on. 
So, Jonna, my, my question to you is this, just again, to sort of take off of what Peter was just talking about. You know, we see a lot of these young players and we see a lot of golf professionals on the teaching side of things like yourself, like Peter, like Alicia, like myself. And I'm asking you this question, John, because you're the president of your section. There's a lot of great programs out there um, that are doing exactly what we've all been talking about, you know, trying to grow the game, getting it in to a, a different market at a younger and earlier age. But I wonder if maybe a more consorted effort, I'll give you a good example. Kate Tempesta, who many have uh, heard on the show before uh, lives up in the New York area uh, through her urban golf Academy introduces a lot of youngsters, not just so much about the fundamentals and things of the golf game itself, but just you know, getting out there, having fun, and, and engaging with one another um, while learning about golf uh, along the way. And obviously, they're very young. Uh, another one is Nicole Weller uh, out in um, uh, South Carolina. Savannah. Uh, again, a great. Oh, uh, sorry, Savannah, Georgia. I'm sorry, Savannah, Georgia. My apologies. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, doing some great things with with junior golf and getting youngsters involved at a very very early age uh, through some of the programs. And there's, I mean, a, a million uh, different versions. My question to you, John, is as president of your section, do we need to start reaching out to the other sections and saying, look, we need to start aggressively doing an outreach program to a lot of these different areas that we've talked about here tonight, to maybe the YMCA, maybe to uh, our local school systems, and, and saying we want to bring golf in, not just to play golf, but to learn about the game itself kind of like our parents did a little bit for some of us, um, how they introduce us to the game so that we can then plant that seed and then see where it grows there. Because as Peter just pointed out, the industry is uh, changing. The younger generation are looking in a different direction. You know, when I was raised up, you know, it was all about club membership. It was about belonging to, uh, you know, a, a great club. The younger generation coming up don't necessarily share that same interest. It's not that they don't want to play the game, but they're looking at it from a different set of, uh, through a different set of lenses. What are your thoughts as far as what your section is doing? And maybe should there be a more consorted effort with all of the sections coming together, both LPGA and PGA and, and getting out into a, some sort of a community outreach on a, a national scale and not just local. Um, what are your thoughts there, John? Let's start from the top down from a PGA standpoint of view nationally uh, from a headquarters standpoint of view you've got PGA Hope which is an outreach program uh, not only to juniors but to those who maybe can't afford it Uh, it also has a lot to do with reaching out to those who are having a difficult time playing due to whether it be uh, impairment or injury or illness so there's a lot of that going on from a national level and there's been numerous discussions I've been a part of at national meetings, committees, that kind of thing, where we talk about all these programs and, and the delivery of the programs. And what it boils down to is educating local professionals, educating local public that from a giving standpoint of view, giving starts at the local level and transcends upward from the upward to down the trickle down it's more about educating those about the opportunities that are there because every community is different. Peter's going to have a different case scenario than Alicia, Alicia different from mine, mine different from yours, so on and so forth. 
So we're, we're going to have different reasons why people play golf. We're also going to have different socioeconomic circumstances on top of the generational uh, attention spans, let's call it, that are going to be unique to every individual locale, whether it's a major metro area such as New York or in Orlando, or it's just uh, an outreach, a bedroom community of Columbus. Uh, everybody's a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Everybody's got different needs. So the programs that are out there, quite honestly, I'm not trying to be political so much as I've done a lot of soul searching with this, especially if my business in particular, as to what programs fit my business model and what ones fit the facility where I am. Uh, It's, it's, here's a list and here's a delivery method of this. And, and the organizations have gotten better at understanding the support mechanism mechanisms needed for the local professional to deliver the program at a local level. When we talk about grassroots, the, I was watching Jeopardy the other night, and it was a question on Jeopardy and the definition of grassroots, and it sort of made me remind me that grassroots means literally in your own backyard. What are you doing in your own backyard? Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. and that's really where programs are best delivered, where they make the biggest impact, where, as Alicia said, wow, you taught me, I'm going to bring my kids back. You're fantastic. It was in her backyard. It wasn't on a global set. It wasn't on a regional set. Uh, the more we can do from that standpoint of view, from a top-down standpoint of view, to not only educate the professionals, but to educate golfers. And I think we're turning corners that way. We've still got a lot of big corners to turn, but at least we're listening and paying attention. And there is a big difference between hearing and listening. And up until the past three or four years, all we've been doing is hearing. Uh, We're finally sitting down and listening. We're finally sitting down and truly paying attention to what people are telling us about golf and then realizing, you know, the staunch, definitions of golf that we've had in the past do know they still apply but they apply to the person who matriculates in that direction while at the same time you see a golf channel putting on the show they did uh from top golf in vegas uh it was the most watched show they've had in years uh right that we can do things like that on a global or on a national level but we've got to have follow-up and local programs to to back up those efforts. Uh, if if we don't, we're not. Those programs aren't deliverable. Then you've missed the golden opportunity to capitalize on what a bigger organization can do for you. There's bigger organizations are only going to do as much as they can do for the whole. Uh, you as the individual, not only as a golfer but as a coach or a, a parent you've got to make that decision in your own backyard as to what's best and what fits your lifestyle. And there's tons and tons of different choices out there now for you to make. It's literally just a matter of having the courage to make the decision to do it. And I use that term very distinctly. It it takes a little bit of courage. It takes a little bit of uh, gumption to To make the decision, you know what? Let's try this out. Let's get. Let's give it a try. Let's let's do it on a small small scale. Who cares about the rules? Let's just bang it around the yard. Uh, let's do this. Let's do that. That's that's how we all started somehow. And through all the muck and mire of 
I'm going to call it the greed era of let's see how much we can take from everybody. We forgot the grassroots. We we forgot where it all came from. Yeah. 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 That's some great, great thoughts, John. You're, you're exactly right. You know, I've often said here over the last several years since doing this program that I think the model, the golf model as a whole is is changing and it's like any industry it it can be slow at times others uh, in other parts of it it can be very quick and i think that one of the things that i see um, potentially helping this industry is instead of targeting the individual uh, and getting the individual interested i wonder if maybe particularly young families uh, that are just sort of starting out, uh, young entrepreneurs that have just, you know, got little kids, um, haven't gone to, you know, they're not in college, they're not even in high school yet. Would it be worth the industry's efforts to target families and getting families out through different golf centers and different, um, you know, maybe through a pilot project, if you will, and getting families? I mean, people want to be able to do. Uh, things as a family, especially young families, and there are so many activities out there in which they can do that, but golf is not something that really, it's always been sort of um, uh, programmed as an individual sport, and even though there is a certain amount of truth to that, it doesn't mean that you have to play as an individual, you can certainly play as a family, so I wonder if that might be a little bit different of approach, is maybe to start the targeting families and getting the family involved in some sort of a golf program uh, that is affordable and works well within their budget, if that's something um, maybe the industry needs to take a, a little bit harder look at. I don't know. Um, what's your thoughts? Peter, I'm going to let you uh, have the final uh, point on this discussion. Um, it may be advantageous of us not to have a program. Maybe it's okay. more advantageous of us as a as a profession to make it accessible to encourage families to do this together um, mm-hmm. to educate them to the sense that your four-year-old or you, I, I have a four-year-old. Uh, he loves golf. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not because he knows anything about the mechanics or anything. It's fun to do with dad. Um, yeah. It's fun to do with mom. It's fun to be out there. It's fun for him to carry his club around. He knows that the ball goes in the hole and that the club hits the ball from watching. Um, But he more Mm -hmm. so enjoys the time together. Uh, I enjoy the time together. It's a ton of fun. Um, But if you don't make the golf course available to that kind of context that, okay, I'm just going to bring my child or children with me, they're going to have a club. Um, if you're looking, to, if you're if you're at a place that you're or the club itself has an attitude of, you know, charging the the person so that um, a young person can just accompany someone playing golf, then there's there's an access issue there. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I see it more of as professionals, we can be really encouraging to our our club leadership and our ownership to provide access to the younger people, whether it's if they're in that older age group of of high school or college or whatever, um, if there needs to be a fee, there can be a fee, but um, don't make it so that it's just inaccessible for them. 
um, because in the long term, they're your members of tomorrow. They're, they're the people you want yep. to fall in love with the place. And when they do have the time and, and or the disposable income or the desire just to be there, they're going to work to make it happen just as Alicia's yep. son yeah. wants to make it happen. You know, it, it, it's no different. So it, I just think there's, in a general sense, we, we can provide more access and have a little bit more of a long-term vision of, you know, what, what it's going to be down the road. Yeah. I think a, a great way to, to close out that segment, Peter, with some great points. Um, I, I think that, you know, kids will emulate what they see their parents doing. And if their parents are engaged in, whether it be a sport or some sort of an activity, um, they take an interest. They want to be involved. And I think, you know, as John pointed out, that grassroots begins um, on a much smaller scale. Um, and as you pointed out, Peter, maybe we don't need, per se, another program. Uh, we just need to have it more accessible uh, to more people. And, and, you know, Alicia, you've uh, also made some great points as well. I'm going to let you start off um, as we wrap this up. Uh, to let the folks know if they want to reach out to you, uh, Alicia, to uh, whether it be get lessons or to learn more about this great game, uh, how can they do that? And if there's anything very quickly that you want to plug, by all means, go ahead. Well, thank you again for having me on the show. I, I always like being on here and, and talking golf, and, and so I want to thank you personally for that. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they can just um, go to my website, which is uh, www.gratitudegolf.com. And it will have um, a place where you can email me. And then also, um, I believe there's, you can uh, get my book on Amazon. So if you want to read anything about uh, the lessons that golf and life might teach us, uh, you can certainly pick the book up there. And and, I appreciate, again, being on the show. Well, Alicia, I'm glad that uh, you're joining us this year on the Coach's Corner uh, panel. You're a, a great addition to the team and uh, you've been on, of course, the show as a guest before, but I'm glad you came back to add a little bit more flavor, if you will, uh, throughout some of the discussions to the sea, and I look forward to you coming back on again. Um, Peter, how can the folks, if they want to reach out to you as well, how can they go about doing that? Uh, they can visit my website, which is gogolfcoach.com. Um, they can follow me on Instagram at, at dailygolfcoach, or, or on Twitter, I am um, at dailygolfpro. Um, if they'd like to reach out to me, the website's probably the best way. Um, if you're on Instagram, you can send me a DM. I'm always happy to answer. Um, any questions, anything I can do to help, um, uh, please let me know. Uh, but, Ted, thanks for having me on again, and it's always a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate it, um, uh, Peter. Uh, you always uh, bring some very interesting points and perspectives, and I, I love having all of you guys on here. It's really what makes the show great. And last but not least, John, I'm going to give you a moment or two to let the folks know how they can reach out to you and, and any final thoughts you want to add. Sure. Uh, first off, Peter, Alicia, pleasure being on the show with you guys. It's always fun to share comments, opinions with other people from around the country, and tonight was no different. And thanks for your thoughts and appreciate your being on the show with, with me. Uh, it, it's always fun. I hope to share some more time with you both uh, in the near future. From a contacting me, everything's at John Hughes Golf, whether it's my website, my Twitter, my Facebook, whatever it is. Uh, 
a couple final thoughts that actually tie into what we're talking about. I'm now doing a monthly tip, video tip that comes out in about four minutes socially. So if you want to learn a little something about you and your golf game, you can look for that on social media. And then the third Thursday of every month, I've got a a blog tip that comes out. And actually this month's blog tip is about how to share golf with your family. Uh, Some different ideas, some different things for that more traditionalist to get their family involved in in a lot of different unique ways. And again, Ted, thanks as always for allowing us to spend some time with you. You're always engaging and, Uh, very thought-provoking for us all, and we definitely appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. As always, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate you guys giving of your time. I know it's not always easy. Sometimes you're rushing home from the golf course or, uh, you know, in between other events and and other uh, commitments. And I know it's not always easy to, to put this hour aside. So I appreciate the fact that you all do and, uh, and keep coming back. So everybody have a great, uh, weekend and i look forward to you guys coming back again on the next uh, coach's corner panel thank you thanks ted all right that was my very uh special guests on the coach's corner panel john hughes peter agazarian and alicia larson uh did a fantastic job and and this is really just sort of the precursor if you will uh to more discussions we're going to have uh the next time uh, i have this discussion i'm going to have some others uh, throughout the golf industry, uh, come on the show, um, you know, from the manufacturing sector, uh, also uh, from the golf club or golf course uh, industry, uh, just to, to add some different thoughts and, and how they're handling uh, some of the adversity, some of the difficulties that uh, the industry has, has changed and what they're doing to adapt. Um, I think it's important as an industry, uh, as you may recall, if you tuned into last week, my very special guest, Tom Patry, uh, also uh, referenced, uh, you know, some of the, the things going on in the golf industry. And, and although he didn't uh, get into great detail, you know, did uh, raise a little bit of an alarm that um, the industry definitely needs to wake up and, and uh, that it is uh, and has been going in a, in a direction that may not always uh, work in its best interest. So we need to work together as a team, if you will. And that's one of the reasons I do this show is it's not just about getting golf tips and, and learning how to, to play this ga- uh, great game, but it's also to challenge uh, sort of the status quo and, and look at some other options and opportunities that we may have uh, to make this game more accessible to, to other folks out there uh, and overcome some of the challenges and hurdles that we face. All industries have to do this. Uh, the golf industry is no different. So uh, great discussion again, uh, guys. Now, I'm very excited uh, this evening to have a um, very special guest on. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, uh, and then as I wait for him to come on board, uh, we will, um, I will remind you, of course, some of the great ways that you can tune into the show. My very special guest tonight is, is Chris Rodell. Uh, he's an author and writer of a great book called uh, Arnold Palmer, uh, Homespun Stories of the King. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Chris. Uh, Chris Rodell is... Uh, Writing has appeared in publications including Sports Illustrated, Esquire, Men's Health, Golf, and, of course, Arnold Palmer's King, Kingdom magazine. Uh, of course, each sport has its heroes, uh, those unique talents whose exploits uh, become modern mythology to those who follow in their footsteps. Uh, even as their records fall, these special athletes retain their status as legends. Uh, their names transcend sport as their successes and personalities uh, etch their place in history. Uh, certainly nobody represents uh, this rarefied, iconic status more than, of course, uh, the late Arnold Palmer. 
And in Arnold Palmer, Homespun Stories of the King, uh, put out by Triumph Books, uh, actually coming out May 15th, uh, 2018, which is just next week. Uh, Latrobe, uh, Pennsylvania resident and personal friend of uh, Palmer's Chris Rodell offers a new take on the legendary figure, uh, drawing on more than 100 interviews conducted over decades of acquaintance. Uh, he delves into Palmer's character away from the game, uh, examining Palmer's relationship to his hometown and uh, many of its uh, residents there in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which, of course, uh, Arnold is originally hailing from. So uh, as I wait for Chris to, uh, to come on board uh, on tonight's discussion, I want to just remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And the best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash uh, golf talk live and uh, you can visit us there front and center on the main page uh, for, for some reason if you're not able to join us live you can just simply scroll down uh, to the uh, page once you get there and you'll see the on demand section and in the on demand section of course all of the previously aired shows including tonight's will be there uh, after it uh, after it airs uh, in its entirety, uh, the recorded versions you'll find them there in the on-demand section. Uh, you can also listen on other social media platforms. You can go to uh, iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and TuneIn.com, and again, just type in Golf Talk Live, and you will find uh, the show there, and you can listen on those uh, social media platforms. Uh, you can also follow me on, uh, whether it be Facebook uh, or Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, lots of great places to uh, get updates on the show. I, I post, of course, every week. Uh, for both of the shows, and I'll tell you about the other one here in just a second. Uh, but if you go to my personal uh, Facebook page, and it's under Ted Odorico, and it's O-D-O-R-I-C-O is the correct spelling, uh, you'll see uh, each week I post uh, both of the shows. And uh, also on um, Golf Talk Live blog on Facebook, if you go to that page, uh, that's the main page for the show, and you'll see it posted there as well as a few other pages uh, on Facebook. But <clears throat> those, excuse me, those are the main central pages. Uh, you can also... Uh, under my personal name on LinkedIn.com, I post every week who's going to be on uh, the show, so you can check it out there. Uh, and I also post through Twitter, uh, and the Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO, CEO in capital letters. Um, also on Tuesday mornings uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Women of Golf Show on the BlogTalkRadio.com network is another show that I host and produce alongside with my uh, good friend and co-host, uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And uh, we've had some great uh, uh, winners and players from the Symmetra Tour here lately. Uh, again, this season, we're very excited to have them, as well as some other uh, industry types uh, from the golf profession who have uh, come on the Women of Golf show to really talk about uh, some of the growth opportunities and some of the different things that they're doing. Last week, we had, uh, of course, uh, Tammy Fuji, uh, found one of the founders and owner of a Kenona uh, uh, Sport, which is a great clothing line that her and her partner, uh, put together. So we feature a lot of great entrepreneurs on the Women of Golf show, as well as uh, many uh, top-ranked players uh, on the Symmetra Tour, and we've had some great uh, legends of the game as well uh, stop by over the years. So lots of great things there. So every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, you can tune in to uh, the Women of Golf with uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller and I as we uh, co-host together and navigate uh, the uh, wonderful world of golf uh, from some of the ladies' perspective. And also uh, Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, of course, you can come right back here and follow me uh, with another great round of Coach's Corner to start things off here on Golf Talk Live and then another uh, interesting and insightful guest interview uh, to follow. So make sure two great shows to tune into. Uh, you want to mark those down 
the links, of course, are, are on uh, the different social media platforms that I uh, mentioned earlier. Um, but what you can also do is if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, you can actually hit the follow button there. And what that will actually do is it will send to your email. Uh, you can request it and it'll actually send you an email reminder when the show is coming on. So if you follow it uh, on that page, that's a great way to get the updates to remind you when the show is coming on. Uh, and again, you're not obligated to listen live, but if you do, uh, we're glad you do. And uh, also, I've got to always, uh, at the end of the show, I do this, but I'm going to thank this, uh, the folks that tune in every week uh, and faithfully support the show. I appreciate it from all around the world. Uh, you guys uh, really make it uh, an enjoyable um, to be able to do this. So um, thanks, guys. And as I said, I'm just waiting for uh, uh, Chris to uh, to come on board. Uh, just running a few minutes late, but um, I will... Uh, I will remind you as well um, that we're going to be doing some more great coaches' corners. We are going to talk about um, uh, some other great things as well uh, as instruction and, and uh, some of the new equipment that's going to be coming out uh, in, the, in the years to come, but also um, some other great professionals, other great programs that are maybe you're not familiar with, uh, some other great books that um, maybe you haven't heard of as well. Um, always try to uh, to give them some time and, and that here on the show. So as I said, I'm just waiting for uh, for Chris to uh, to come on and we're going to talk about Arnold Palmer, Homespun Stories of the King, a great book that he uh, uh, wrote. And, and of course, he was a uh, had become friends with Arnold Palmer over the years as he moved uh, back in the early 90s into Latrobe, uh, Pennsylvania himself uh, and uh, developed a relationship, a trusted relationship and and uh, he's going to come on and, and share some stories uh, about that and t- talk about his book uh, that's going to be available, and we'll tell you how you can get your hot little hands on that. So, um, again, just to remind everybody, we are live every uh, Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com uh, network, so I hope that you'll continue to tune in, and also on Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the blogtalkradio.com network, you can check out the women of golf with my good friend and co-host LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Um, not sure what the delay is here, so I apologize. Uh, we'll hang tight. I will try to find something to fill in a few minutes as I wait for Chris. Uh, hopefully he won't be too much longer. Um, but uh, it actually is, I haven't had a chance. I'll be honest to, uh, to read through the, the book as of yet. I didn't get it until quite recently. Uh, I did get a copy of it, but it looks like a great uh, read and lots of great stories that uh, that he shares in here, uh, some of which you may, may be familiar with, others you may not. And as I said, when he does come back, uh, or when he does come on board here tonight, uh, we will uh, talk about some of the things that he's put in the book here uh, about his good friend, Mr. Arnold Palmer. You know, one of the things that always, and I'm just going to share this very quickly and uh, while I wait, um, one of the, the, I guess, the, the memories that I have of, of Arnold Palmer that stands out to me is the fact that not only was he a great champion golfer that actually, uh, and I I don't want to take away from this. He was certainly among the top uh, golfers in the world, but even more so than that, he was just a a great humanitarian, just a great, wonderful person. I never had the honor and pleasure of meeting him uh, in person, but just all of the things that I've seen of him do over the years, all the things that I've known about him, uh, and watched uh, on television uh, articles that I've read about Arnold Palmer um, have been nothing but but great things said about him. 
and it's very easy to see why he was really one of the the true ambassadors uh, of the game and why so many people loved him. I mean, you know, Mr. Palmer, of course, really has transcended decades uh, of this industry and uh, with not only some exciting golf and and was really instrumental in in getting golf uh, on television uh, to literally millions of viewers. And, of course, we're all familiar with Arnie's Army. Um, He was just an everyday man. He was not... uh, uh, certainly uh, coming from, from really anywhere or any uh, special background. Uh, he was just a, a hardworking man who came from a traditional blue-collar family, and he just had a dream and a passion that uh, uh, he wanted to, to do, and, and uh, he built a very successful uh, business and uh, just really touched uh, so many people's lives around the world, uh, which is – and that – you know, that always said a lot to me. Um, I was more impressed of, of how he handled and conducted himself uh, in interviews and uh, and just communicating with so many people. You know, when you listen to some of the fans who have had the pleasure of meeting him and, and uh, or had written to him over the years, and, and, you know, he answered. This was another thing that impressed me. I mean, he stayed after tournaments and made a point of signing autographs uh, literally until the last person left the golf course. Uh, other things that he did as well is, you know, he talked to people, he communicated with people, he, you know, put his arm around, shook their hand, um, you know, in, in some cases maybe gave them a hug. And he was just a warm, decent human being and was really, uh, as I said, one of the true ambassadors of the game and somebody uh, that maybe isn't familiar with golf. If you want to see what a true professional uh, in the golf industry was, uh, then you need to look no further than Arnold Palmer. Well, I, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not too sure uh, what's happened with my guest. Um, I'm not sure if he's maybe uh, got the time confused or, or not, but um, I will uh, hang out here for a little bit longer and try to uh, entertain you, if, I w- if you will. And again, I apologize for the delay. Um, I was uh, expecting him to be here a few minutes ago, but... Uh, he may be running into some some difficulty here, so we'll we'll hang tight for a little bit longer, and uh, otherwise we'll we'll have to uh, reschedule him on another show. Um, but anyways, again, let me also remind you uh, that if you're somebody in the golf industry and you'd like to be a guest on the show, uh, a great way to reach out and to get my attention is to send me an email uh, or connect with me on social media. Uh, my email address is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. If you send me an email, um, and if you're somebody in the golf business, you don't necessarily have to be uh, a golf instructor or a golf coach. Uh, maybe you've uh, written a great book, or maybe uh, you've developed a great product uh, or service uh, that is something that you are, are looking to uh, help grow uh, the industry or uh, bring more people into the, to the, this great game. Um, I'd like to share your story here on Golf Talk Live. I've done this with, with many, many uh, folks over the years, uh, some seasoned veterans of the game, as well as some many uh, new entrepreneurs that have come out with some great products or apps or what have you, and I've shared them with my audience uh, literally around the globe. And there's been some lots of uh, interesting, great products, uh, some of which I have my hot little hands on and have tried them out, and they truly are some very... Uh, unique uh, and, and interesting and great products. Um, but if you've got a story to share and you want to come on the show, 
uh, you're welcome to do so. Again, reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, send me a little bit of information. I will uh, take a look and I'll reach out to you and, and we'll see what we can do. I, I normally try to book out uh, about two months in advance. So we're uh, pretty much booked up now through uh, May and uh, and uh, most of June. I still think I might have an opening or two uh, in June. Um, but if you're interested in doing that, you can also reach out to me through social media such as Facebook or LinkedIn. If you want to send me a, a private message and just say, hey, I've been listening to the show or uh, I've heard about your show and I'm interested in maybe being a guest at some point, uh, by all means, feel free to reach out and I'll be more than happy to uh, to see if I can fit you in the schedule. So um, as I said, uh, I'm glad that you're tuning in tonight and I apologize uh, profusely. I'm not sure what's what's happened to Chris, um, but uh, I'll give a few more moments here. And uh, if he's not able to, uh, uh, to get in here in the next little bit, um, then we'll close off the segment and I will uh, try to reschedule him uh, at another date. Um, I've had some great guests. Let me just tell you uh, about some of the guests that I've had on the show that uh, I've, I've enjoyed. Uh, certainly all of my guests, but certain ones, of course, uh, always stand out uh, a little more than others for, for various reasons. Uh, one guest I'm very honored and very proud to have had the opportunity uh, to uh, feature on my show, of course, is the legendary uh, Billy Casper. And one of the reasons, uh, really there's a couple of reasons, he was obviously one of the first uh, really big names that I had on the show. Uh, so I was very honored and very proud to, to be able to to get him. But he, much like Mr. Palmer, uh, he was a very humble individual, uh, very giving of his time. And uh, we enjoyed uh, some great uh, discussion, both on and off the program. I spoke to him actually uh, a week out from the program. We talked for about an hour or so. Uh, just sort of a, a get to know, if you will. And he was just really very humble, as I said, and, and willing to give of his time. And I know that he enjoyed himself uh, tremendously when he came on the program. And uh, he was just a great guest and had some, some interesting stories. And I know from not only uh, conversations with him, uh, but also uh, his son, which I'm going to mention in a minute, um, that he really enjoyed it. And enjoyed particularly having uh, many of the folks uh, call in. There were a number of callers that night, I think it, uh, roughly close to a dozen particular night. And um, he, uh, he just loved, you know, answering their questions and, and, you know, he had been around the game and, and done so much to, uh, you know, give back to the game, which a lot of these, uh, you know, golf professionals do. So it was a very honored to have him on. Uh, also, uh, his son, Byron Casper, we've become very good friends as a result of that initial interview. And uh, Byron, of course, comes on many, many times uh, throughout the year for, for different things, whether it be uh, promoting some, some events or, or things as he recently did here a few weeks back. Uh, talked about, of course, his uh, father's uh, um, tournament that comes on uh, every year in uh, the first Monday of May, which actually just uh, happened this past Monday. And uh, as I understand, another great successful event. And of course, it raises uh, funds for his charity, Billy's Kids. And uh, it's just a, was a great cause, uh, both uh, near and dear to his heart, but also his uh, wife who precedes him, of course, uh, Shirley Casper, and of course, the Casper family. Um, so Byron was uh, somebody that I enjoy having on. We have some interesting late night chats 
uh, about different things, but uh, obviously somehow we revolve back to golf. But um, anyways, it's uh, some interesting uh, discussions on and off. And of course, a lot of the great coaches, uh, John Hughes, who was on tonight, uh, Peter Egazarian. Uh, John has been on the show, one of the early Coaches Corner panelists uh, and special guests who's been on here. And John always does a phenomenal um, uh, you know, job in, in the discussions and always brings his best and then some. And uh, always willing to give of his time and uh, just a, a great professional. And um, so you want to make sure that you reach out to him and it's johnhughesgolf.com. Uh, he's got some great tips coming out, as he said, uh, as he, we closed off that segment. So make sure you check out johnhughesgolf.com. And if you're going to be in the Orlando area, you might want to stop by. So uh, reach out to him through his website and uh, maybe he's got uh, a lesson or two in mind that uh, can help your game. So make sure you check him out. Peter Egazarian, of course, uh, uh, another great uh, golf professional. And of course, Alicia Larson uh, had uh, been on the show uh, as well, uh, both this show and the women of golf and had a great, uh, uh, a great time uh, discussing many things with her and uh, always brings her best uh, along the way too. And I'm glad to have her part of the coaches corner panel this season. So I hope she'll uh, continue to do that each and every year. And just a lot of great folks, Nicole Weller, I mentioned earlier, uh, just doing uh, so many great things for junior golf, really uh, that grassroots level, just trying to get someone, some of these youngsters at a very, very early age uh, exposed to the game and involved out in Savannah, Georgia. I don't know why I thought South Carolina, but Savannah, Georgia. Um, so a lot of great, uh, great things happening in, in her neck of the woods. Uh, Tom Patrick, who was on last week, of course, uh, another seasoned veteran, much like John, been around the game for 30-plus years and uh, just always does so much to uh, support and, and help out. Um, and, and there's really just so, so many others. Barry Goldstein, uh, of, of course, who's been on the show, uh, a great uh, golf professional as well in South Florida, uh, and his daughter, Carly uh, Goldstein, of course, who uh, graduated just uh, not this year, but the previous year from LSU, uh, played on the women's golf team and, team and uh, did very well, not only in college, but has won over 100 and two, I believe, uh, uh, different uh, golf uh, titles, including national championships, uh, not only here in the United States, but around the globe. She's played and just a phenomenal junior player. And now a young lady who graduated from LSU, and uh, she's going to conquer the world, I think, uh, on the LPGA. So I'm interested to see what, uh, what happens there. But uh, he did a phenomenal job in, in raising her, along with his other uh, daughter, of course, Aubrey. Uh, Barry's a, a great professional, very uh, you know, down home sort of uh, individual, but very knowledgeable about the game and always uh, willing to offer his fellow professionals and others out there. He's done a lot of uh, great things as well. So I'm honored to have Barry on the show. Um, so many other great uh, Coach's Corner uh, panelists as well. Pete Buchanan, uh, I want to give a great shout out. Let me just tell you something very quickly about that. Pete, of course, was on Coach's Corner last week and I alluded to uh, getting one of his uh, simple swing repeaters that he uh, has at plain, his company, Plain Simple Golf. Well, lo and behold, did I not get one in the mail along with the uh, company uh, accompanying DVD on, on how to uh, use it properly in that, but it's a great training device. So uh, go to plainsimplegolf.com and order yours today. It's very, very well put together. It's a great training device. I'm not going to tell you any more about it. I want you to go to his website, plainsimplegolf.com. And take a look, uh, some great uh, videos on there and showing you on, on what it can do. But uh, you definitely want to order it. So thank you very much, Pete. Uh, I'm 
I haven't had a chance to, other than take it out of the box and look at it, I'm going to watch the DVD this weekend, and I'm going to try and uh, uh, get a little bit of uh, practice with it just to check it out. Um, but I know it's a great uh, and well-put-together uh, uh, training device. So thank you, Pete, for doing that. Um, also uh, want to thank some of the uh, other great professionals uh, very quickly uh, who have been on the show as well. Um, a lot of great, great golf professionals. Um, James Kyle. Um, I mean, there's just so many. Tom Stickney uh, has been on the show. Uh, Chuck Evans who's been on the show on the coach's corner panel, uh, all of these guys each and every week bring their best, uh, out on the golf course as they help their students. And throughout the season, I have many of these, uh, guys and, and gals, uh, on the show on the coach's corner panel, all of them, or most of them have been guests as well. Jamie Leno Zimron, of course, wasn't able to join us uh, on the last one, but uh, always brings her best, always has some interesting and fun things to do. Uh, so there's a lot of great uh, other uh, fellow professionals out there. And, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my, my good friend and co-host of the Women of Golf Show, uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller, truly one of the hardest working women uh, as, uh, that I can tell that uh, is able to just do some amazing things and uh, very honored to, uh, to have her uh, on the show uh, and, and co-hosting the Women of Golf Show. Um, Many, many more. I will uh, do my best on time to uh, <clears throat> to give them uh, their proper due. Um, but I think what I'm going to do, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I guess there's run into a problem with the guest tonight. I will do my best to uh, to get him back uh, on another show, and we'll have to reschedule that. But um, I just want to take this opportunity um, to thank all of the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. And it really is. Uh, along with many of the highly talented coaches, teach professionals, authors, and entrepreneurs that stop by. It's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. So I want to thank all of you first and foremost. And again, my apologies to those of you that uh, were tuning in to see uh, Chris Rodell uh, and hear him talk about his uh, new book, uh, Arnold Palmer, Homespun Stories of the King. Uh, we will have to reschedule that and, and get him back on the show uh, on another date, and we'll see when we can make that happen. But uh, on that note, uh, have a great week, everybody. Uh, I will not be doing a show uh, next week as I'm going to be heading out of town uh, for an extended uh, stay and uh, just will not have time to do. So I'm going to be canceling next week's show, but I will be on the following show uh, the following week, which I don't have the date in front of me. So next Thursday, there will not be – there will be Tuesday. The Women of Golf show will air uh, this uh, coming Tuesday, uh, which I believe is the 15th, uh, but next Thursday, which would be the 17th, uh, there will not be a Golf Talk Live. So uh, if you're planning on coming in next uh, or joining me next uh, week live, uh, don't worry, I won't be here, but you can visit the link anyways, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live, and you can listen to some of the great previously aired shows. Maybe you've missed a few, uh, or maybe there's one that you've heard before and you want to uh, dial in and, and listen again a little bit. So by all means, feel free to do that in the on-demand section. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, God bless everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless. Bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.